0: Amen. Good morning. Happy New Year to you. First Sunday of the New Year, and I'm grateful to be here with you this morning and to teach and to preach God's Word. I'm thankful for Troy leading us in worship this morning. It was, it was wonderful to sing psalms and songs uh, together, so I'm grateful for that opportunity. I'm also grateful for uh, the privilege to, to be your teacher at Intero. Um While we're looking for a pastor, it's a privilege to come down and to worship with you, and you've kind of brought me in like family and are my family as well being here and allowing us to be a part of your family so we're we're very grateful for for that privilege um just to let you know where we're kind of going in the new year um what i'm going to do for like the you know january february is i'm going to do single verses what i call big verses just one verse we're going to focus in on that verse i'm going to do kind of a big verse series and then we're going to transition to big chapter series So we'll do, for example, we're going to do Revelation 1 to 3, and then we'll do the Sermon on the Mount, those big chapters. That's kind of where we're going to go if you want to see where we're going. But there's some key verses, singular, powerful, pithy verses that I want to address you with and to address myself with as I preach through these particular texts. And so I thought it'd be kind of fun. Most people don't deal with a single verse. They're scared of a single verse. It's. It's a little more work, right, if you're going to take one verse and expand it out over 45 minutes of, of time, so people get a little jittery about that. Uh, but but I'll, I'll take on that challenge, and we'll do some big God verses that I feel like would help serve this body and help serve all of us as we kind of plow into 2018. But before we get to our single verse this morning, I wanted to remind you of the kind of teaching that you're experiencing. I know some of you are guests, or you may be new to... Uh, this style of of teaching God's Word, and I thought I I would give you a little bit of a pre-sermon before the sermon, uh, just to help you think through why we do what we do. So when I stand up and teach out of God's Word, I go to a particular passage. Uh, I would expect for you to have your Bible in hand so that you verify the things that I'm saying are true in the Word of God, and the type of preaching we call this is expository preaching. And the reason why it's important is because it's not a methodology of preaching, it's a philosophy of preaching. So you could say, I guess, out there, there are a number of methodological ways you could approach the scriptures, one topically, one expositionally. There's a myriad of ways of doing that. Or we're gonna do a single verse, so we're gonna parachute into a single verse, and then we're gonna parachute into sections or paragraphs or chapters in in the Bible. But even though we parachute in and do a single verse, or we do a, a few chapters at a time, and it's important to know that even when we do that, we do that expositionally. And the word "exposition" means "out of," meaning, I don't want to presuppose my meaning on the scriptures. I want to let the scriptures talk. So a good, faithful teacher of God's word lets the text talk. My job is to bring light. And clarity and nuance to add color. So to take it from a black and white TV to HD high definition on Sunday morning. So you could read the same things in your normal reading of the scriptures. But my job is to bring out the scriptures. To bring them to life. To animate them. But to be very faithful to them. And the very word exposition means out of the text. That is what's behind it. So when someone says, and you may have heard this over time... I'm an expositional preacher. What they're saying is they believe in the philosophy of letting the text talk. Okay? Now, when we talk about expository preaching, there's a number of other pieces to it. Secondly, it's sequential. Meaning, we usually start in verse 1 of chapter 1, and we work our way all through one of the books or one of the lessons or letters. Right? So we start in 1-1, one, one, and we work our way all the way through the text. Why? Because what's behind expositional preacher, preaching is the doctrine of inspiration, or the high view of scripture. So we're not saying it's a methodology, it's actually a philosophy. I want to honor the authorial attempt, the author's original meaning. So I wanna go back, so a good faithful teacher of God's word goes back and he spends half his week in the dusty streets of Palestine, mining what the original author said, And then my job is to take it from the first century and bring it all the way to the 21st century and say, here's what it means to you and for your family and for your marriage and for your life. And so I'm constantly living in two centuries between two worlds, first century and the 21st century. And and so I'm constantly having to taste the dirt and the dust of the streets of Palestine where Jesus walked and where the apostles were and where the hub of Christianity was at the time, but yet bring it forward, right? And that's not just a methodology. That's a philosophy that honors the doctrine of Scripture or a high view of Scripture. So I'm very cognitive as a teacher. I'm very cognitive that I don't want to misinterpret Scripture. I don't want to sub Scripture giving less meaning than I should. And I don't want to suprainterpret it, right, or misinterpret it. I don't want to say too much. I don't want to say too little. And I certainly, above all things, I don't want to miss the point of the Scripture And so my job is to go get the author's intent. When he wrote this letter, when Paul wrote to Timothy, he wrote to a specific church that had existed for about three years in the city of Ephesus. This was an actual church. When he's writing this letter, he's writing to the pastor, Timothy, of the church of Ephesus that he had visited and he had established himself as the Apostle Paul. So these are actual people. This isn't just like ideas and divine thoughts This was an actual church that needed to hear this. And so I'll always say context. When you hear me say context in expository preaching, it should trigger in your mind he's going back to the first century. He's letting us see what's going on and and, and he's being careful with how he handles those kinds of things. So it's just very important for me to help you think through as you look for a future preacher. You're going to be looking for an expository preacher, one who's going to be faithful to the text. And that means that his preaching is going to be rooted and founded in the text. It's going to come out of the text on a regular basis. When you're a good expository preaching, basically, I basically see the tops of your heads. Because you should be staring at your Bibles the whole time I'm talking. Because I'm I'm talking to you. I've got one, I'm pointing one finger at you, and I've got one at the text, and we're always doing this like a chicken picking corn. You know, we're just constantly up and down, looking, because I want you to see what the Bible says. It's not as important. I'm not authoritarian. Well, I can be authoritarian. I'm not an authority. The scriptures are the authority. So I want to teach you how to how to study the scriptures. That's another reason why expository preaching really matters. Because as you see me work through the text, it's teaching you how you ought to study the text. So that you don't get up Monday morning and go, okay, Lord, I'm going to see what you want me to do today. It's not this mystical thing. You know, and you go, oh, 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 that's what I'm supposed to do today. That's not how you study the Bible. You study the Bible by reading Philippians 1-1 and working your way all the way through. And and you can go faster or slower. Some of you need to be on a good Bible reading plan, to be honest with you. You just need a lot of Bible. You know, the older you get, I've been doing it for about 30 years. So I'm going to go a little slower at the pace. But some of you just need a lot of content. You need to get all the stories. And I remember when I was first a Christian um, in 1986... I was just devouring chunks of scripture. I was reading the New Testament every three months. Boom, 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 boom. Because I just didn't know anything. I didn't know what the stories, you know, we've joked about the widow's mite and those kind of things. I didn't know know any of the Old Testament stories. I didn't know anything. So I needed volume. So some of you need volume. Some of you need density. You need to slow down. You need to loiter. And you may take all quarter and study the book of Philippians. Get a little study guide as a couple and just kind of work through Philippians for four months. That's fine. That's perfect, right? So, good expository preaching will encourage you not to misapply the scripture. So I don't want you dropping your finger and saying, you know, go and 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 kill, you know, rise, kill and eat. And you're like, oh, I'm supposed to kill my neighbors? That's that's really not helpful, you know. They're, they're, no, that's not what that means, you know. That's not what he's talking about, you know. You there's context, right? You know. So, and and you don't read every letter the same. You, like you don't read a love letter like a recipe. When you get a recipe and you look at, you know, two eggs and this much oil and and this much salt, then you go, oh, that's a recipe. It's genre, right? You know what it is. Versus a love letter, you read it and you go, oh, that's a love letter. So there's all kinds of things that happen around your scriptures that you need to be aware of. And so hopefully as I'm teaching you on Sunday morning in public worship, and this is the sermon event of worship, then I'm modeling how I want you to do it on Monday morning. You know, so some of you... Could get up tomorrow morning and just come back to this verse and sit there a while and just, you know, kind of cogitate on it, you know. Uh, this is even one you can commit to memory pretty fast, right? And so you could have it on your dash with a card. Maybe you take this vermin because I'm going to do single verses. Let's just all memorize those verses, right? Put it on your dash on the way to work and get intake and think about it and mull over it, right? And we'll see how important that is when we look at our single verse uh, even this morning. Another part of expository preaching. And this is the pre-sermon. We haven't even started yet, so just hang on. Another part of expository preaching is, see, the the Word works with the Spirit. So if I'm not faithful to preach the Word, then I give nothing for the Spirit to use to speak into your life. This is why you don't want to go to a church and they tell a bunch of stories. If they don't tether it to the Word, then the Spirit can't work. The Spirit works with the Word and speaks into your life. So my job is to let the word loose, to unleash the scriptures on Sunday morning, and then the Spirit's working and taking the words and applying it and, and tapping your heart and telling you and thinking through things and, and, and speaking to you about things you need to edit or add to your life or add to your faith. You see what I'm saying? Like, So if I'm not faithful to preach the word, then I don't give the Spirit anything to work with, and that's why you walk away kind of saying, wow, he's really good, but Monday morning comes and it's cotton candy. just... Evaporates, right? Tastes good? Gone. I want to I sink God's word deep into your heart. So my job is depth to kind of keep pressing the word. Any faithful preacher is to press the word into you. And so that you can't get away from it. You can't duck and weave. And you can't go home Sunday afternoon flip on the game and just forget about the preaching. It stays with you. It loiters. It, it grips you and kind of holds you there. This is faithful expository preaching. It's dangerous, I believe, to play fast and loose with the scriptures. So handling the scriptures, interpreting the scriptures, explicating the scriptures to you is a pretty serious responsibility. As a matter of fact, James 3 says, I'll incur a stricter judgment than you will listening. That when I speak things and I speak the scriptures, that I incur a stricter judgment. The standard is the same for all of us, that I have to apply the word of God to my life. But I'm going to, because I'm speaking the scriptures all the time, encourage. So I even walk into the, into this space and into this opportunity and into this responsibility with caution. Like I'm measuring every word. I'm thinking through everything. I write everything down because I'm scared of myself. So yeah, I use notes. There's nothing, I'm not, I'm not flying off the handle here. I'm just kind of like, okay, here's where I'm gonna take us, you know? And, and we've only got 15 pages and we're only here. So that's encouraging, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? I'll, I'll pick up speed. Um, But you can see. So in my mind, as a teacher, to abuse the scriptures is to abuse God. So I take it pretty serious, that's all. And that's what this church is about. And we're grateful you're here because you know why? You're sitting under the word. And I can assure you, I visited one last week. The word is not always taught in every church. And you have experienced that in your own lives, I'm sure. So you have a tremendous privilege here in Nelson County to be under the word, to be in this church... And to have expository preaching brought to you, packaged to you, well thought out, and, and, and prepared for you. And in all of that, it's teaching you how to study God's word. Because look, we only gather for what, an hour and 15 a week? Maybe if you're in a, a home group, maybe three hours total. That's all you're getting. So we really want to make the most out of this time and be faithful expository preachers. Alright? So you under, kind of understand what expository preaching is? You understand what it is, right? So it's out of the text. So it's not a methodology. It's not like you, can, you have one of four options. It's a philosophy. All preachers should be expository preachers. And the fact that they aren't is why we have to define the kind of preaching we are doing. We should be able to say, I'm preaching to you this morning, and everybody does the same thing, and everybody knows how to do it, and everything's equal. It's just not that way out there, as you know. And so we have to add modifiers to what we do so that you will understand it. So that's what we call the pre-sermon value added bonus round. All right. Bonus round to what we're going to do now. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it with a single verse. We're going to do our big verse series. Single verse. First Timothy 4 16. First Timothy 4 16. And what I want to talk to you about is life and doctrine. Life and Doctrine. This is what it means to learn to walk in integrity. And in 2018, I think this ought to be at the top of your priority list, your goals as a family and as a couple, as an individual, as a business leader. I think you ought to have this down. This is a big deal. It's something very important to me. It's something very important to you. And I thought, let's start off the the year with some big verses. I mean some life-shaping, game-changing, you know, really helpful verses and the one before you this morning is just such of one of those verses you heard in our reading just a moment ago that david had remarked he says but as for me i want to walk in my integrity so no matter what comes to your life in 2018 and i promise you there's all kinds of things that are going to come our way in 2018 no matter what comes When you cut all the way through all of the things that are going to come in 2018, the most important thing is that you learn to walk in your integrity. Right? So Job had a a heck of a 2018 back in 4,000 years ago, right? But he still walked, as the scriptures say, he walked in his integrity. So no matter what, I want this to be our priority. I want this to be at the forefront of our minds. And I want this to be how we live. I want us to think about what it means to intentionally Walk in our integrity. Paul tells Timothy, he's a young buck, about 30 years old. He tells Timothy this pay close attention to yourself and to your doctrine. Persevere in these things. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and those who hear you. Pay close attention to yourself. This is a rare occasion. Most of the time, you're supposed to die to yourself, right? (laughs) We talk about that all the time. We talked about it when we talked about the advent of humility. We're to die to ourselves. Here's the one occasion in self-examination that Paul tells the young lieutenant, his young lieutenant in Ephesus. No, actually, here's a little bit of gospel narcissism. I actually need you to zero in and focus on yourself and your doctrine so that you can actually bless others and care for others in the gospel. The reason why this is important is because Paul is addressing Timothy, he's a young pastor. And in pastoral ministry, it is a character profession, right? It's about our character, we have to lead by example. It's not just in the skill in what we do, our character has to back up our words, right? We all know talk is cheap, right? We've all met people that talk a better game than they live. And none of us, not a one of us, respects somebody who talks a good game but doesn't play by the rules. Doesn't follow the rules. Just breaks all the rules. But yet they talk like they are a person of integrity. So if you possess integrity, nothing else really matters. If you don't have integrity, nothing else matters. Integrity is critical for all of us as we approach 2018. We need to know what it means to sync our private lives and our public lives so that there are not two different things. We should be one thing on Sunday morning and the same thing on Monday morning, right? We shouldn't be re- lifting our hands in worship and kicking our dog on Monday morning, right? There shouldn't be disparity and and and, and 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 gaps. We should be kind of synced up. To use a technology term, we, we should be synced up. And in, in our integrity is what we're talking about. And being intentional with our integrity. What do I mean by integrity? It means that your word is your bond. That would be an example. You're a person of integrity. Your word's your bond. You put character over wealth. So you can't be bought. You just can't be bought. It's not about a matter of money to you. It's, it's a matter of principle always, right? It's people of integrity are, are larger than their jobs. They're larger than their vocations. They're people who are willing to stand out in a crowd and, 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 and really to, to, to be singled out and to, and to go against the grain or to swim upstream, When the whole crowd saying we ought to do this, they're willing to to go the other direction. People of integrity are honest in the small things, not just in the big ones. We all kind of know we gotta be honest in the big stuff, right? Because there's bigger consequences. But real integrity is honest in the little stuff, the smallest of details, right? People of integrity will stand for the truth in the face of adversity. That personal consequence for standing up for the truth or standing up for Christ is greater than the adversity or the persecution that would accompany it. These are, these are just some descriptors of what I'm talking about with integrity. It's when your life and your lips, they match. There's not a great disparity there. There's not a big gap. You're not, you're not just talking a good game. You're living a good game. And the reason why I've chosen 416 is because there's serious business here. Did you catch it at the end of the verse? Look at it. You will ensure salvation both for yourself and those who hear you. This is is for keeps, right? This is your salvation and other people's salvation on the line. It's a big deal, right? Kind of serious business, right? The stakes are, are high. There's no such thing as a minor lapse of integrity. You lose your integrity, it takes years to get it back. And it's one thing that you can possess, genuinely possess, and we're going to talk about the tension here in a, sec- in a second, but it, it, it's a, there's no minor lapse when you, you actually lose your integrity. So Paul tells Timothy to make sure that he maintains his integrity. Now, let me make a number of remarks, and then we're going to do context Tension verse, okay? We're gonna just walk our way through. Let me give you a a number of remarks because we are parachuting in to 1 Timothy 4. Just keep in mind that he's speaking to spiritual leadership. He's speaking to Timothy as a leader. And so it's a character profession. This isn't the first time he's made a big deal about character. If you know, if you hang a left and you go to 1 Timothy 3, uh, verses 1 through 7... He talks about the spiritual leaders in the church that they are to be people of character or people of integrity, right? And he talks about 15 characteristics that they have to have, and only one is a skill. 14 are character-based, and one is a skill. What's the skill? Being able to teach, right? That if you're going to be a faithful leader in a church, an elder in a church, you have to be able to teach. All other 14 reference their character, their patience, their Their life, their family, their marriage, etc., right? So it's a character profession. Robert Murray McShane, he died when he was 29, but on March 25th, 1843, he made this statement It is not great talents God blesses so much as likeness to Jesus. A holy minister is an awesome weapon in the hand of God. That's what he was after. He was after character. He was saying, listen, the most important thing that I can do for you is model what it means to live a holy life. Now, words are important, but they have to be backed up by how we live. And so this is a constant emphasis. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul in telling Timothy, he keeps emphatically saying this over and over again. If you read the pastorals, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. You will pick up rather quickly that he is emphatic about your character and being a person of integrity. Why? Because a true pastor, a true spiritual leader, or a true leader in any field at your job, you can't take people where you're not going yourself. It's pretty fundamental. Hosea 4, 4. Like people, like priests, like people, right? Right? the people are going to imitate their leadership. And so if we have a low standard of leadership, then the people are gonna have a low standard of living. We have a high standard of leadership, we should have a high standard of, of living, right? So that's why we, we wanna be exemplary in everything we, we do. So what's going on here in chapter four is Paul has given Timothy 11 different characteristics of spiritual leadership That he needed to deploy in Ephesus. Verse 16 is the 11th one. It's the 11th uh, uh, imperative there. and It's pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. That's the 11th one that he gives. We're only going to focus in on the 11th. But I just want you to understand what's been going on. He's been telling him a number of things. Uh, You could see it there um, in the uh, latter part of of verse 7. But on the other hand, he says, discipline yourself for the purpose of God. That would be one of the things that he tells Timothy as a young buck to, to do to be an effective leader in the community and in the church. So there are 11. We're just looking at the 11th one here before us. Now, also, don't discount that this is centered or pointed at Timothy as a pastor of the local church. Anytime time characteristics are given to pastors, they're also expected of the sheep, the people as well. So the list in 1 Timothy 3, which there are many things in there like don't uh, be hospitable. That doesn't mean that pastors are to be hospitable and you're to be mean as a snake. Okay? Or the pastors are to be patient and you're to be impatient. No, of course not. Everybody's expected to be patient. But when you're a spiritual leader and you stand before people, you're to be an example of that. So people ought to look at you and go, oh... That's what patience look like. Oh, that's what integrity looks like. You kind of get the picture. So it's, an, it's, a, it's a, an exemplary qualification. All of us, here's what's important. All of us are expected to lead an unimpeachable life. You can live a holy life. The scriptures call you to live a holy life. They expect you to live a holy life. And I'm telling you, you can do it. And it's an expectation that can be met. So we're not creating this high standard. We're going to talk about this in a second. We're not creating this high standard that nobody can attain to. All saying, actually, you can pay close attention to your life and to your doctrine and live an exemplary, unimpeachable, holy life in a sin-sick, Satan-serving, cursed world. That's crazy, right? But you can do it. So whenever there's an expectation, it's there because it can be done. And so... This is the final imperative. Now, zoom in a little bit closer. What's going on here? What's the backstory, right? What's the back channel to 16? What's going on? Here's the deal. Remember I told you? Timothy's young. As a matter of fact, go north just a little bit in verse 12 and take a look at it. Let no one look down on your youthfulness. They were looking at Timothy's young age and thinking, this young buck's leading us. Who is he to lead us? This is the problem. Here's the issue. Timothy's 30 years old. He's among a pretty mature town. Among a pretty mature group of elders. The, the elders at Ephesus. We know them from Acts 20. If you remember. So you get some pretty pretty strong leaders. And sagacity. And here's the kicker. Paul appoints him as pastor. You didn't get to pick him. They didn't pick Timothy. Paul says, hey, guess what? Good news. Your pastor is Shazam. Timothy. They're like, but he's young. They're like, that's your pastor. Because he had apostolic authority to do that. So it's like me coming along one day and just T-boning you in February and saying, hey, I found this 15-year-old and he's your pastor. You're like, no, no, Turbo. You don't understand. That's not how that works. We're in the West. We, we believe in democracy here. And we're going to have an opinion about this. You, know, see, you see the tension? There's tension. There's real tension to the text. They're looking down at him. Remember, he's timid. His nickname is Timid Timothy because he's getting beat up by these older people who are wearing him out saying, hey, you, you, know, you, you, you can't even rent a car in, in the first century. Of course, they didn't drive cars. but You can't even run a donkey, but yet you're going to lead our church. Come on, what's going on? So you feel the tension in the text and, and, and so he's going to need to prove himself. And the way he proves himself to them is to be an example. Check it out there. Look at verse 12. Let no one look down at your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Show yourself an example to those who believe. So he's going to have to live an exemplary kind of life. And so that's exactly what's going on here. This is big time for Timothy. He has to prove himself. He's going to need to put on a clinic when it comes to integrity. There cannot be, for Timothy, a dichotomy between his private life and his public life. He needs to be consistent. He needs to be the same. He needs to be. Let's use a more modern word. Authentic. He can't talk a good game. And then fly off the handle. And have, be impetuous. And use his speech inappropriately. All this stuff. So there's there's just a concern going on in the text. You need to feel it. You need to sense it. And so that's why Paul is writing to Timothy. Now. Here's the one preliminary remark, and then we're gonna look at the verse. The preliminary remark is this. There's a tension here in the text. Timothy's gonna be called to live a holy life, to live an exemplary life. But we all know you you can't do it perfectly, right? We are all living imperfect Christian lives, including the pastors, including your spiritual leaders. Yet, 1 Peter 1 says that we're called to be holy, right? Be holy as I am holy. A direct quote from the Old Testament, 1 Peter 1.15. But it's also true that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's also true that 1 John 1 1.9 says that we are to confess our sins and to, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. As a matter of fact, in 180 says, if you He says, if you say you don't have sin, then you don't even know God. Like, you're lying. If you say you don't have sin, you lie, basically, uh, John says. So, we're all called to be examples. We're all called to live exemplary lives. But it's, there's tension there because we do it so imperfectly, right? And that's the kicker. We are all in process. Timothy wasn't living a perfect life, but it was his progress. Kevin DeYoung wrote a little book called, We All Have a Hole in Our Holiness. It was a really It's a really helpful book. It could be one on your list, uh, this, this first part of the year. It might be helpful for you to, if you're grappling with this. And he says this in there, it's more important where you are going than when you arrive. See, you're two thirds saved. You're, you've been forgiven. You're in the process of being sanctified but you're not yet sanctified. Until heaven, you're going to have to wrestle with sin. There's going to be things that you do that you can't even believe you do. You're like, I can't believe I do. That's called Romans 7. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I do do, I don't want to do. And you see that whole tension in, in Paul's heart, right? So here's the deal. When you're assessing leadership and you're assessing your own life, we're looking for not perfection. We're looking for the direction of your life. The key to interpreting verse 16 is verse 15. Look at it. He tells... Timothy, take pains with these things, be absorbed in them, those things above that, that we just read, why? So that your progress will be evident to all. Key word here is progress, right? There is a a difference between a bad day and a bad year. If someone has a bad year, you might be going, and maybe Turbo isn't qualified, right? Like something's not right. There's a difference between a bad day and a bad year. You all have bad days. You make up, you're grumpy, you're a mean driver, you're whatever you are. You know, you, you, we all have our bad days, right? But then you should confess that and say, like, I'm an idiot. Like, I, I've run lights. I've almost hit people. I've gone through school zones. It's really funny how you get mad at everybody driving when you're the worst, you know. I think the best thing to do is if you realize you're the worst sinner in the room, it just changes everything. You know, I always just know when I walk through the doors, I am the worst dude here. And if I can keep that in perspective, it really helps. So you're looking at the progress of your life, not the perfection of your life. I promise you, you look close enough at any person in this room, you will find a flaw, right? We're all flawed. So spiritual leadership or any leadership, yourselves, you should never have a sustained pattern of known sin. As a matter of fact, how you deal with your sin is exemplary. So when you sin, what do you do with it? You confess it, right? First John 1, 9. That's even be an example to the body to say, hey, I messed up, right? So what Paul is saying is, Timothy, you need to be very intentional about your grace-induced progressive sanctification. You, you need to be very intentional about your sanctification. But church, when you're reading this, don't think that every spiritual leader is going to be perfect every single day all the time. It just doesn't happen, right? There is no perfect church. However, among the imperfect, there are healthy ones, like this one, where you can come and sit under the Word and, and sing and take the Lord's table and worship and fellowship and do all those things. Are we all perfect? No. Not a chance. Look around. You know what's in you. You don't, I promise you, you don't want me to put your thoughts on the board. Maybe we do that one Sunday. We just say, okay, it's your Sunday. We're going to put your thoughts up. And you're going, like, to no, that's not my, not my thoughts. Let's do, let's do Troy's thoughts, you know. His thoughts, yeah, his no, 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 I promise you. You struggle with sin. I struggle with sin. But we can still be exemplary. And we're exemplary in how we deal with our sin. And we confess sin. And we make things right with people. And we honor people. And You see what I'm saying? There is no perfect until Jesus comes. That's why heaven at the end of 2018 ought to feel a little bit closer. There ought to be a yearning. When you lock down 2017 and you reflected, you probably went... Whew, that was a humdinger of a year. Good wish that one went away, you know. Why? That's, that's good. That's the that's Spirit working, saying, hey, th- you're not from these parts. You, 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 need, to, you need to long for a, a, another city whose maker and builder is God, Hebrews 11. That's the kind of city that you really need to long for. So I just want to remind you of the tension because I'm going to talk about living a holy life And being vigilant with your life and vigilant with your doctrine this morning. And we're going to just deal with this text. But I want you to know that I totally understand you're going to do it imperfectly. And you need to know that I do it as well. And we live in this constant tension. Does everybody get that? Give me a little north and south. We got it? Okay, good. I just want to clarify that because I think you're going to go. You don't want to create a crazy standard that nobody can possibly uh, ever meet, right? We are all... Under grace-induced progressive sanctification. We should be becoming more like Jesus Christ. Every single day. Alright. Let me give you the frame of the text. It's real simple. There's one imperative. Pay attention. There are two arenas. Life and doctrine. And two incentives. One imperative. Imperative means it's not up for debate. It's not elective. You can't opt out of this. Right? So you gotta pay. It's a. It's verb. Present tense, always happening, always going to be there. Can't get away from it. Pay attention to to your life, to your doctrine. Why? Because it will ensure salvation for yourself and others. Let's take a look at this one big verse first. The doctrine of vigilance is what's before you. That's kind of the, it's an old arcane word, vigilance or watchfulness. This word pay attention means literally To give attention to, to grasp, and never let go. To hold on to, I mean like death grip it kind of thing. It's a relentless focus on your life and on your doctrine. It's daily. It's a present, active imperative, ongoing, every single day. As a habit, as a way of life, I'm appealing to you in 2018 that on a regular basis you really pay close attention to your life and to your doctrine. Meaning, I'm calling us all to spiritual alertness in 2018. So that you avoid spiritual treachery. That you don't get T-boned, you don't get hoodwinked, you don't get attacked, you don't get blindsided. You're watchful, you're alert. Why? 1 Peter 5:8 The devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you also put a target on your back. And the devil would like to make you an example of what imperfection looks like at its best, right? He wants to destroy your life. As God has a plan for your life, the devil has a plan for your life. And so there's a real enemy it's a roaring lion, and he's seeking to devour you. So you've got to be watchful. You're not walking through grizzly country or lion country unalert. You've got a weapon. You're looking around. You, you know their instincts. You, you know their smells. You, you know what's going on. You're aware. You have to know that you're being hunted every day. Every day you wake up, you're being hunted to be destroyed. And the stakes are high. You not only have to care for your own heart. But also people around you who are watching your life. And for some of them, it's the only Christianity they'll ever know is you. I'm not going to meet them. They're your friends. I'm not living in your neighborhood. They're your neighbors. I'm not working at your job site. They're your job site. Right? So you're the only one they're going to see. This is a game changer for us. So he says, pay close attention to your life because there's a real enemy and if you're unalert or you're sloppy in how you live, then it's 2018's gonna end in treachery for you. It's not gonna end well, it's not gonna be great. And so he says, principle number one, be vigilant with your life, yourself, he says. Pay close attention to yourself. It's just a synonym for your life, your integrity. Pay close attention to your integrity. He calls on us to watch ourselves. Now, is this the first time you've heard this? No. We can go all the way back to Proverbs. Proverbs 4, 11, where Solomon writes, guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. Right? You're told to guard your heart, watch your heart. Again, it's there. So you'll start seeing this. I promise, this doctrine of watchfulness and alertness, as you read your Bible in 2018, Look for it. You're going to see it over and over again. It's the contra to living sloppy, kind of head down, not paying attention, running into walls versus alertness that, hey, there's a real enemy going on. Right? There, there's there's real, real spiritual battle out there. There's real darkness out there. Now, this watchfulness, there are no tricks. There's not like I can come up with some, you know, n- unique kind of... Cool tricks that would, would work for you. Here, here are the basic three things that come with watchfulness. First, God's amazing grace. But by the grace of God, I don't know where we'd all be, right? So God's amazing grace infuses us and calls us to even have the desire to seek sanctification, to be more like Christ and to live a holy life. So there's just God's amazing grace. Second, Discipline. That's why he says there in 7b, discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. It's just discipline. You got to do it. You got to get up. You got to pray. You got to maintain your integrity. The Christian life is a disciplined life. Discipline is actually freedom. That's the crazy part of it. It's paradoxical. Discipline is actually freedom. Third, and this is a means of grace, is the body. We're all here to remind you, you can live a holy life. That's why, one of the reasons you don't wanna miss church. Because you miss church and say, I just wanna see if Dan's still there. Is he still gonna be faithful? You know, is, is, is Troy still gonna be playing the songs? Is, is, are they still gonna be reading? You come here because you're reminded that all of us are living in a sinful world. We're doing it imperfectly, but you know what? We're showing up every week, doggone it. And we're digging in and we're using discipline and there's community because you will never be sanctified Like Christ, without community. You are not designed to live alone. Matter of fact, you go all the way back to Genesis. When Adam was by himself, what did God say? It's not good for man to what? Be alone. Proverbs 18.1 says, He who isolates himself rages against all sound judgment. It's crazy to isolate yourself. You need this. So no matter what happens in 2018, when it gets dark and ugly, because it may be smooth the first week in 2018 for you, but believe me, there's a storm out there brewing. When it gets ugly, don't run from the church. Run to the church. Remember, the church is a hospital, not a hotel. This isn't a luxury hotel. This is a hospital for sinners. So when it gets black and dark and hard this year, you start, you start calling us. You call me at home and say, it's a bad week. It's a bad night. I'm a bad man. I'm a bad woman. Help me. That's what the church, that's what the body does. Community, right? So it's... The grace of God, straight-up discipline, and the fellowship, the community. And we're even going to make some adjustments. Troy will mention them a little bit after the service. We're going to make some adjustments to even have more of that so that we can ensure each other's soul care is before all of us, right? So he says, listen, I want you to rivet or pay close attention to yourself, to your integrity. Keep an eye on it. Keep a close eye on it. Don't lose your integrity. Life or doctrine, which is hardy, do you think? Life. Because we'd all like to study the scriptures a little bit. I just find it easier to study scriptures than I do to study my soul. (laughs) Because I'm blind, you know, like I got all these blind spots, right? So I think it's easier, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have the two arenas, Lord. I'm gonna work on my Bible reading today. And he's like, hey, idiot. How about your attitudes, you know? You know what I'm saying? Like, we all run to the doctrine because it's just smoother. You ever meet people that are full of the Bible, but they live like the devil, and you're like, what is wrong with Julie, you know? Well, that's because she's filling her mind with Scripture, but she's not doing both. These are two sides of the same coin. Life and doctrine, they're inseparable. You can't slice one out. You need both. They're totally, it's a package deal. Now, let me do this for you. I'm going to give you four areas just to kind of write down. Where, where you're probably gonna, they're the four biggest temptations that you'll get tripped up on, okay? I just want you to be aware of them. I'm gonna hit them fast and move on, but I just want you to be aware of them. Now, I heard these from Chuck Swindoll in 93, and I had it literally pull over on the side of the road. It just gripped me. So I just want to give them to you via Chuck so that you'll remind yourselves that these are four areas that you ought to be cognitive of or aware of where you're most likely gonna be tempted when It comes to paying attention to your life first, and they're all S's because I'm a preacher, so that's just the way they're for it. Slothfulness, being lazy, being lazy, right? Coasting, letting kind of, kind of, you know, coasting on 2017 or 2016, you're being lazy, you're not on currently. Growing and and, and aggressively attacking life. If you don't attack life, life will attack you, right? So, the first area that you could possibly shipwreck your life in 2018 is just being lazy, slothfulness. Second, silver, money. Getting misplacing funding, money. Seeking money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Listen to me money's not evil, money is a material object. It's not evil, it's agnostic. The love of money is where it gets ugly, right? And you can be poor and love money and you can be wealthy and love money. It, it gets, its no respect of persons, right? So I feel like silver is a big area. It's a landmine for all of us, right? So watch out for silver. You could ship your, shipwreck your life over love of, of money. Third, self pride, fame seeking, building your renown, Proverbs sixteen eighteen, pride comes you for the fall. Fourth, sex, immorality in all of its forms. Every possible form, it will shipwreck your life. Those are the four S's that I want you just to kind of write in the back of your Bible or write in a margin. That's not the only ones that will get you. You may get tripped up with other ones. But those four are the biggies that I have learned over years of ministry and living that trip up most people. Pay close attention, Paul says, to Timothy and to us here at Crossing Spartan, to our life, to our life. It's very important. Second, pay close attention to our doctrine. Pay close attention to your doctrine. You could say the principle is this. Vigorous in your doctrine, vigilant in your life. They are two sides of the same coin. They are inseparable. They inform each other. They work in tandem together. You can't isolate them. They're inseparable terms of leadership, life, and doctrine. Now, when he says here, pay close attention to yourself and to your doctrine, he's talking about your teaching, the word, your understanding of scripture. You need doctrine. You need sound doctrine to live a sound life. You need doctrine to live a life of integrity. To walk in your integrity, you've got to know how, right? And that's called doctrine. You'll hear doctrine used sometimes, and people get all spooked about it, like jittery, like a horse at a, you know, at a at, at a at a new gate or a, a stall, and they all get you know get all jittery. People talk about doctrine. People go like, "Oh, I don't want any of that." No, you want doctrine. You want as much as you can get because it's what informs how you live the Christian life. Jesus said it like this. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You have to know the scriptures. You're like, oh, no. It's the first week of the year, and he's already challenging us to read our Bibles. Yep, this is the part where all preachers tell you, you better read your Bible or you're going to hell. No, I'm just kidding. You're not. This is important, though. This is absolutely critical that you study the scriptures. And that's why I did the preface to this particular sermon. You look back at the first century, Acts, we covered it back in November. What were they engaged in? The apostles' doctrine, right? You need to study your Bible. So some of you, you need to get a good Bible reading plan. I tweeted one this week, and if you've not read through the Bible, then that's what you need to be doing. You need volume. Some of you need to study a little closer, a little deeper. Whatever it is for you, I can't say, but I just know this. You better get deeper into God's Word, right? If you, if you trip over to, I'll just do it for you, 2 Timothy uh, 3.16, it says, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. This is why you need the scriptures. You need to be vigilant in your doctrine. You need to be vigorous in your study of scripture. Another reason why you need to be vigilant is because you need to be able to spot a wolf miles away there are wolves in sheep's clothing all the time false teachers and if you don't know truth you won't know when you're being served up a lie right you've got to be able to defend against false teachers you, you in order to be sanctified you've got to you've got to know the scriptures so this is what Paul is telling Timothy pay close attention to your life and to your doctrine pay close attention to the scriptures and it's also true for you. You are not exempt from this. You need the constant intake of God's Word. Now, some days you're going to get up and you're going to be able to plow and really get some headway. And then some of you guys, you you don't have a lot of margin. You're getting up and you're hustling out in the morning. Then use your drive time. You can download a free app. If you if you download the ESV app, it'll play for you. It'll it'll read Scripture while you're driving, hands free. You're getting intake. So you just start plowing through the scriptures and you're listening. So you get the app; it's free. You just download it, click on it in your car. If you have that sync, you can just listen to the car. You can listen to your phone, just set your phone on your dash and let it go. And you're constantly getting scripture. Every chance you get, I want you to take in the scriptures. This is what Paul told Timothy and he was in the ministry. Why? A full, it's, it's absolutely important to fill your mind with the scripture. So that you'll have the mind of Christ. Listen to some of Psalm 119. Because I think it's absolutely critical. To, to appreciate the, the depth here. 97. Psalm 119. 97 to 104 states this. Oh how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. For they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than, than the aged. Because I've observed your precepts. I've restrained my feet from every evil way. That I might keep your word. I've not turned aside from your ordinances. For you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes sweeter than honey to my mouth. For your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. I want you to love the scriptures. Like you love your favorite food. Sweetness. Taste. Richness. That's how the words describe. Psalm 119, 9 to 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to the word. By keeping it according to the word. So Paul was telling Timothy here, listen, pay close attention to your life, your integrity, and to your teaching the scriptures. You need regular intake. Some of you, that could be at night. Some of you, that's morning. Some of you moms, it's just a crazy busy season. So you just got to find a little bit of time. You know? It's between Dyson tomatoes and dirty laundry. You, know, you, you get a verse in there. Right? That's just the way. Those are seasons. That's just, but you and I need constant intake. I need constant intake. And I do this for a living. So if Timothy needs this. As, and it's his living. How much more of you. Who are just constantly in that world. That darkness. right? Need the intake of God's word. There's no tricks here. You've got to figure out what works for you. But he says, listen, you shall know the truth, Jesus said, and the truth will set you free. So if you want to be able to know false doctrine when it comes your way, if you want to see a wolf in sheep's clothing a mile away, if you want to to live a holy life, it's going to come from paying close attention to your doctrine. All right, last, and let's wrap. Why? He says it, therefore. It's a gar in the... Greek language. Four, cause, why? These are the incentives. Two, four, as you do this, do what? Pay close attention to your life and to your doctrine. You will ensure salvation both for yourself and those who hear you. Has Paul lost his mind? Is now our salvation based on our works? No, he's talking about agency or means here. What he's saying is this, if, if if you live a holy life, its and you persevere at living that, and you're working hard at, at living a holy life, it's evidence that you are in the faith. It's evidence that you are a Christian. If you weren't a Christian, you wouldn't be pursuing living a holy life. You wouldn't be sitting here, right? You just wouldn't be be, be a part of that. And he says also it's a means for other people. So not only is it a validation that you're in the faith, that you're working out your salvation with fear and trembling, Secondarily, is that you are the only Christianity that some people will ever see because when you're living an exemplary life and you're sharing the gospel with people, there's nothing more powerful than your life, right, and the gospel. Now, the power is not in you, it's in the seed. But when what God has done is He's chosen to use us to articulate the gospel to everyone around you, you are the means, you are the Christianity that they're going to see. It is a privilege. Paul said on one occasion in Romans 10, he said, how will they hear without a preacher? Right? How will they hear without someone to explicate and to teach? What he's saying is, listen, it is a privilege to be used. God saves people. Our salvation is holy of God, but he chooses to use human instruments like sinful people like you and I. Isn't it crazy that he saves sinners and then he redeploys them as the ones who articulate the gospel to other unsaved people? That's how this works. And it's a means of grace that he uses you. And so he says, listen, you need to be living a life of integrity, persevering in the faith, and plowing through 2018 so that God can use you as a means of grace in someone else's life. And he uses you to talk to them. And that's why when you go to work, you see everybody at work as a mission field and as an opportunity to share Christ and to, and, and, and to articulate the truth to them. He said in 2 Corinthians 2, Thanks be to God, who also leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us a sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, an aroma from death to death. And to the other, an aroma of life to life. This is, you are an aroma. You're giving off a whiff of the gospel. When you live a holy life and an exemplary life, you're giving off an aroma to everyone around you. And they're going, you know what? I want what he's got. I want what she's got. And then they see past you and then they come face to face with Christ and they're transformed. That's why I said this is serious business. That's why this is a pretty big verse in my estimation, because you're to pay close attention to your life and to your teaching because it's going to validate that you're in the faith. And two, it's going to be that God's going to use you to save other people through you. He saves them, but he uses you as the means, the instrument of that. Our privilege. God, what an amazing opportunity that we have. So, single verse, one imperative. Pay attention, vigilance, watchfulness. I need you to be, in 2018, watchful over your own soul. Maintaining your integrity, working hard at your character, putting off sin, confessing sin, adding in faith, perseverance, truth, the fruit of the spirit. I need you to pay attention to your life, and I need you to pay attention secondarily to your doctrine, and they're they're inseparable. They're one and the same. You can't have one without the other. I need you to love the scriptures. I need you to be head over heels in love with the scriptures. I need to do every opportunity you have to get intake of the scriptures. I need you to get intake. And 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 listen and hear God's word. It will both be, when it gets dark in 2018, it'll be confirming that you're in the faith, that you persevere. Just like you did in 2017. You're still here. You're like, okay. It's, it's proof. That I fight for the faith and I confess my sins regularly and I'm here every week and I do these things. It's proof. It, it validates my faith and it sets me up to be used by God in other people's lives. And what grand privilege that is. So, 2018, I'm appealing to you as the body to pay close attention to your life and to your doctrine. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. And even this singular verse, which was aimed right at Timothy's heart, but, man, it's found its home in our hearts. Lord, help us to be intentional with our integrity in our study of the scriptures. Lord, we confess that we are not perfect, but we desire to live exemplary, unimpeachable, holy lives. So that it will be a reassurance of who we are in Christ and a testimony to those outside of Christ, that we can be the gospel to them, that we can be salt and light to them. As Timothy need to be strengthened in this area and fortified, so we find ourselves this morning also in need of strengthening and reminder. Lord, please do work in our lives. Give us the grace, the discipline, and the fellowship of the saints to help sanctify us Be more like Christ. We ask this in the name of King Jesus. Amen.